welcome to the Soar Community Network podcast with your host, Malie Ponpadit. Here, inside our community, we help each other see, own, articulate and release our unique message and mission into the world. Uncover your gifts and talents, release your passions, own your purpose and let's soar together. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the SOAR Community Network podcast. I'm your host, Mali Ponpadith, and this morning I have with us Glenn Garns. Glenn is a dear friend of mine, and we've known each other for many, many years. He used to be a lawyer and has transitioned over the years into doing something um, very powerful for our community. He's a thought leader. He's a speaker, wonderful presenter, I might add. And he is now the founder of the Village Connector community. Glenn, welcome to our show. Mali, thank you so much for having me. I always love getting together to chat with you. Well, I appreciate you too. And we um, have a lot of commonalities in our core values and what we want to do for entrepreneurs and businesses and communities. So I'm delighted to have you uh, with me today on the podcast. Well, the first thing I'd love to start with is, you know, I mentioned earlier in my introduction that you were a lawyer. And can you share with me what made you decide to kind of leave that behind or kind of evolve as a professional into doing what you're doing today? Gladly. It's probably my most important moment in life following birth. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, I, I practiced law for about 18 years and I enjoyed most of those years, but I found that I had really gone to law school for the purpose of making my parents proud. And I didn't realize that at the time, but the more, the longer I practiced law, the more I realized that it wasn't really making me happy. But one thing that I noticed when I was practicing law was in my business clients' lives, even though they were coming to me because they were suing or being sued, they were excited about the things that were going on in their businesses, and it intrigued me. So I started being drawn more to entrepreneurship, which frankly, the law practice tended to stifle my ability to participate in actively. And I eventually just made the decision, listen, I don't like this anymore. I'm not inspired when I get up in the morning. You know, the money is great, but there's a lot of ways to make money that would make me happier. And I just made the decision, and it was a bold one, because there were so many people in my circle of influence that thought something was wrong. And I said, no, this this is right. This is the right move. It's not something that is disappointing to me. It's something I'm looking forward to. I made the decision to move in a different direction, a very bold direction, because at the time I left the practice of law, I wasn't even really sure exactly what I would be doing in entrepreneurship. I just knew that I had to separate and burn the bridges in order for me to find my direction when I got out into the entrepreneurial world. Now, let me ask you this. How long did it take from the time that the seed was planted in your mind Uh, you know, that there was something more out there in the world of entrepreneurship for you. I don't know that you remember a moment. It might have been gradual. But how long did it take when you kind of made that internal decision, okay, I've got to move in a different direction, to actually doing it? Um, And what were some of the internal dialogue that was going on? Well, you know, the chronology there for me was not a linear one. So let me share that with you. 
I actually got bitten by the entrepreneurial bug back when I was still actively practicing law and somewhat enjoying it. I actually tried doing some ventures, some side ventures alongside of my law practice and frankly had some ups and downs with it because I was ill-equipped even though entrepreneurship would seem to be a natural extension of being in a law practice. There were a lot of things that I did not know and did not understand and did not appreciate. So I actually had a number of circumstances that were, you know, like most entrepreneurs, we had some ups and downs. We had some successes. We had some failures. We had some, you know, some financial struggles and we had some, you know, some financial milestones that were in our favor. But when I made the decision to set aside the law practice and be exclusively focused on entrepreneurship, the, the seed that was planted for me was that I had seen some of the struggles that I, we had been through. And a lot of those struggles were trying to, were, were the result of trying to have my foot halfway in each of those things, the law practice and the business world. And so I finally decided, look, if I'm serious about this, I've got to go for it. And that probably started resonating with me about five years before I actually pulled the trigger and closed the law firm completely. It actually took me three years to wind my law practice down to finish the work that I would not have been able to send to other lawyers to finish for me. So the wind down process took about three years. The seed got planted about two years before that. And I probably really pulled the trigger about two years into my decision that, look, I'm getting out. That's you know the, the line in the sand, if you will. And it took me three years to wind down after that. I love that you're sharing the... I would say not the linear timeline, but the um, process of making that transition because there are a lot of folks who listen to our podcast who are thinking about making this transition or moving into the world of entrepreneurship and like you, not necessarily sure what that actually looks like or what um, type of focus that will be when it does happen. Um, and I think it's important that people understand it does take some time. There are people who can just leave right away and launch the very next day, but uh, that's not necessarily always the case. Now, let me ask you this question. When you made the final decision, you had some time now to really think through, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do if I'm not a lawyer anymore? Um, so how did you go about making the transition number one in terms of choosing the direction of entrepreneurship. What does that look like for you? What type of business would you build? Uh, where would you even start? How did that? How did that happen for you? Well, for me, my first serious entrepreneurial endeavor after leaving the practice of law was to create a course where I was teaching people how to generate business through referrals. One thing that I had had some success with in my law practice was bringing in new business. I was a rainmaker in the legal parlance. And the only thing that I felt like I really knew how to do when I gave up the practice of law was how to generate business. <laughs> so I started, I started a company called Referral University. And it started out as three CDs, three audio CDs and a workbook where I was teaching other professionals how to build a business referral network and to build business through relationships. And, uh, you know, that that did quite well. 
because I was comfortable standing in front of the room lecturing and promoting the program and events and things of that nature because I transferred my skills of being in front of a jury to being in the front of the room speaking to potential customers for my product. But it wasn't as easy as a lot of people would have thought because I didn't exactly have the right mindset with respect to what entrepreneurship was really all about. And what I mean by that is that I had a tendency to be very limited in my thinking. Again, you heard me say that when I closed the law firm, the only other thing that I thought I knew how to do that anyone cared about was how to generate business. And that wasn't true, but I limited myself in my mind to that. And so I had a lot of self-doubt. I had a lot of thoughts in my mind circulating about whether I had made the right decision. I knew in my heart I'd made the right decision, but it wasn't matching up with the logic because of all the people in my circle of influence that were kind of questioning my decision. Hmm. So I started questioning myself. So what I would tell people that are thinking about going into business, first of all, you can start early making your preparation. And by preparation, I'm talking about preparing yourself to have the right mindset for entrepreneurship. And that starts with being mindful of what it is that you like, what it is that you would like to see yourself doing to make money, and what it is that you can create that offers a value in the world to other people. You know, you can still be doing your full-time job or your full or your full-time um, business, whatever you might be doing, before you go out into the entrepreneurial world and be preparing yourself better than I was prepared when I first made the leap. Hmm. I yeah. literally made the leap and then built my parachute on the way down. <laughs> I was going to say that sounds like that was the case. And um, how did you, how did you, you know, kind of minimize that self-talk over time when you did realize that you were thinking small and that you were paying more attention to what people's opinions of you and, and your abilities or capabilities were? Um, how did you go about really training the brain to think differently? Well, I had to do this kind of almost as a defense mechanism, which is probably the wrong reason to be doing it, but it turned <laughs> out to be effective nevertheless. I had to be willing to separate myself from those people. I couldn't afford to allow people to be poisoning my mind with their own self-limiting beliefs about what I was capable of. And so I found it very, very important for me to read books mm -hmm to buy audio tapes. And, I mean, back then we were talking about, you know, CDs were kind of, you know, the popular thing back then. So when I say tapes, I'm, I'm, I'm old school, as you know. <laughs> so I've been through every technology known to mankind since uh, 1961. But the point I'm trying to make is that I had to change the diet of information. And by that, I mean, I had to start reading more books, listening to more tapes and letting those be my mentors rather than the family members and friends who were concerned for me, but not concerned enough to support what I thought I wanted to do. Well, I think that that's uh, what a lot of us go through is, again, that internal dialogue. And it's usually borrowed borrowed from society, borrowed from whatever we're taking in, uh, the types of media and even radio and podcasts that we're listening to.
And it's amazing because when we start changing the channel, <laughs> we also start to rewire our own thinking, our own desires and, you know, dreaming bigger, thinking bigger and finding the right people. So moving in that realm, how is surrounding yourself uh, with the right people? How, how impactful is that? Oh, man. It, well, for one thing, let me just address something you just said. Changing the channel was probably the most critical component of moving me in the right direction from a mindset standpoint. I literally had to be in a position where I was getting new and different information rather than the societal spoon feeding. I mean, people thought that my law practice was not being successful and that I, that I was you know, like needing to go back to work for someone. And they were all encouraging me to get a job. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm not leaving the practice because it's not working. I'm leaving the practice because I'm not enjoying the work. They couldn't, they couldn't grasp that concept, but you're being successful. You're making all this money. No, it's not just about the money, you know, and this was coming from family members and friends and even other lawyers who were modeling their law practices after me and wanted to know, well, you know, they were experiencing self-doubt. He's getting out. <laughs> should I be, you know? So, so changing the channel meant the people that I was associating with, the information that I was consuming I ended up having an I, I have an iPod today, one of the old classic ones. <laughs> oh gosh. That has over four hundred and eighty hours of CDs on it. Wow. Everyone from Jim Rohn to John Maxwell to I mean I literally have uh, what's um um what's the Lion King um uh voice. <laughs> you, you know, the, uh, oh um James Earl, oh God. James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, yes. Narrating, narrating the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, everything that I've ever purchased on CD is on that iPod. So with a few button clicks, I can completely change the channel, you know. And let me be clear about something. I make the reference to the Bible. I, I'm, I'm actually not Christian, but there are some great teachings that come from the Bible that are relevant regardless of what your religious or spiritual belief system might be. But here, here's my point. I totally changed my neighborhood, literally, by changing the people I associated with. And that included reading the right books, reading, listening to the right CDs, being around other people. I actually used to meet people in bookstores that became my friends because we're both reaching on the shelf for the same books and stuff like that. How and cool. now you knew you were in the right company because most of the people that were trying to give me advice hadn't read a book since they graduated from college. How cool is that? You mentioned the word neighborhood, so I'm going to move right into um, what is the Village Connector community because I felt how fitting is that? Neighborhood, Village Connector, you're the founder of Village Connector community, and it's a huge concept. So break it down for us. What is it? All right, so Village Connector Community is kind of the ultimate neighborhood for people that are interested in personal development, health and wellness, and what I call personal and community economics, which also could be called professional development. And I was so influenced by the gifts that were given to me by the mentors that I've had over the years, and I consider every person, that every author I've read, every CD I've listened to, every workshop I've been to, those are all mentors for me. They're not just books I read. That, those are people that were speaking to my heart. And the bottom line is that if you allow them to influence you that way with this new information, they truly become mentors and not just authors or speakers. So Village Connector is basically my effort to share what I had been touched by, i.e. 
engaging in personal development with others. I'm looking to build the largest group, the largest community of people who are in, that are making personal development a lifestyle choice, not just a book that they read, making it easy for them to get access to the right information, the right resources, and the right people. So Village Connector community starts with our website at villageconnector.com. We have a complete learning center that has taught, has information on virtually every personal development topic, you can self-help topic you can think about including health and wellness and professional development related topics. We have a village, we have a village connector community Facebook group where you can be interactive with the people, other people who are like-minded. So if you're looking to be around people, they're going to encourage you rather than just, you know, destroy your will to, to proceed. These are the people who are looking for workout partners, as I call it. They're reading the same books together. They're sharing motivational quotes. They're talking with each other about the progress that they're making. They're inspiring each other rather than trying to drag them back into the basket. And again, this is my effort to contribute to what I consider to be the evolution of humanity. I have a belief that the evolution of humanity is going to be dependent on how many people we can get to change the channel and shift their mindset into one of a lifestyle of learning and then working together with others who are adopting that same process. So we're basically just looking to create an ecosystem for evolution. And it all starts with education. It all starts with self-education. One of my favorite mentors, Jim Rohn, his, one of my favorite quotes from him is, Edu or, uh, formal education will make you a living, but self-education will make you a fortune. And the fortune isn't just monetary. It's a fortune of life experiences, of empowerment, of being able to really craft and enjoy the lifestyle you choose to create for yourself. That all comes more from learning self-help type topics, the, what they call soft skills, than it ever will coming at a, from an academic environment. Now, you mentioned villageconnector.com, you mentioned the Facebook group, but you also have a physical location. That's uh, correct. So let's talk about that and, and where was that? Because it's not just this concept that you can find virtually online and connecting people from all over the globe to be a part of this community, because that is the, the, the goal and that is what's happening. But the physical location, first and foremost, when did you decide that that was necessary and what, what does it entail when people show up? What, what's, what's there and what's available? Well, about – I guess about four and a half years ago, I had the opportunity to support a client who had a co-working center up in Linthicum Heights, Maryland, very close to the Baltimore, Washington International Airport. And after having been in that environment and seen what the power is behind business professionals coming together and sharing desk space, you know, sitting across from each other, working on their own individual projects, but being in each other's company – I knew that that would add to this so-called ecosystem that I'm looking that I'm create that I've created here with Village Connector. So when uh, that lease was up, the young lady who I was working with decided not to continue her business. So we were kind of forced to uh, relocate and do something else. By that time, I had developed an appreciation for how important it was going to be for us to have our own infrastructure associated with communications. So we already had a TV studio up at the um, uh, the other facility. It was just a one one room, a one office TV studio, and we also were producing on a regular basis a podcast. When we moved down to Laurel, 
we um, ended up having a dedicated TV studio, you know, control room, everything, a 2,400 square foot co-working area that had three offices, a conference room and a large meeting room, a large event room. And we ultimately ended up acquiring some additional space and created our own radio studio. So today we have two TV studios, a radio studio and an event venue that are all designed to help us create personal development related content. The people who become a member here physically of our physical facility are typically speakers, coaches, trainers, authors, and educators who are getting in front of the camera and the microphone to share their wisdom, to create information products, to share free content, to live stream events that we host, all designed to give people that nurturing information that permits them to invest in themselves through personal development. Now, Glenn, do you want to talk about the specific offerings or is there a location where they can learn more and contact you, especially if they are those authors and speakers like you mentioned and thought leaders who really do want to share their content and get the word out there of uh, their special unique skill sets that can develop others? Sure. So let me let me address let me address that by saying that there are three primary stakeholders that we focus on attracting the Village Connector. And our goal with attracting those stakeholders is to put them into an environment where they're supporting each other. So let me explain how that works. Our first stakeholder are general people, just general community members that are looking for personal development, self-help, health and wellness related content. Our goal was to be the source for that for them. And we do that, of course, on the website. There's no cost to that. It's free for people to plug in. We want people to come and invest in themselves without having to make a monetary investment. And eventually they get to the point where they realize that in order to go deeper, it's time for them to make a monetary investment. And they then can get introduced to our second stakeholder, which is the speakers, trainers, coaches, authors, and educators that are listed in our expert directory. So we have people that come to get the free content, and if they want to go deeper on a particular topic at the bottom of that section that they're learning from, they can click in and see experts that have training programs, paid programs, continuity programs, you know, membership-based programs that can take you deeper into those topics. So if you're a general consumer of the content that just wants to plug in and, and, and get some you know, really high-quality training and, and information, you can just go to villageconnector.com and get on the mailing list at Village Connector and then join our Facebook group and you're plugged in. That's all you need to do. Get on the mailing list so you don't miss anything and then plug into the social network uh, Village Connector community on the Facebook group and you'll be in the company of other people that are like-minded and you'll be getting some great information. If you're a speaker, trainer, coach, or author or educator, what you'd want to do is go to justexperts.com justexperts.com. Watch a short video that explains how you can feature your capabilities to the Village Connector community in a very compelling way. We've got a number of ways to do that, and I'll just leave it up to you to go to justexperts.com to find out about those ways. The third stakeholder that we work with are local business owners who really are the foundation for funding our ability to provide all of this content at no cost to the general public. When they become advertisers with our marketing system, it makes it possible for us to develop 
these programs and the free content. That's what causes, that's what allows us to fund the costs associated with operating the TV studios and the radio studio. So if you own a local business, you know, hair salon, a day spa, restaurant, retail store, it doesn't matter. If you're the kind of business that you would find on Main Street or advertising in the coupon circular, you're probably a good fit to be featured in our mobile marketing directory. We have a we have an app that allows people to search with a geolocator where if they tap a category, it'll show the merchant that's closest to where they are right now with a deal. And of course, you know, our goal is to educate the people who are coming in for the personal development content on how important it is for them to shop locally, shop with small locally owned businesses where they can have a relationship with the owner of the business. And that's that that's one of our that's one of our initiatives. The community economics initiative is helping to make local communities self-sustaining and prospering ecosystems by teaching the residents and the neighbors the importance of shopping where they live. What a great model. Well, I mean, thank it you. really it really lives up to the name of the organization. You know, you've got this village or connecting people and it's all about community. Uh, what a great name, what a great brand. And what what I'd like to also ask you about is this campaign you're running. Ah, I, I knew you were going to get to that. more about this campaign, <laughs> you know, um, especially, you know, we're in the election year this year, but I'd love for you to share what it means, what it's all about, and how you're bringing your, your local community and other local communities together. All right, so let me just quickly, let me see if I can not take too much time up with this, because it kind of overlaps with the Village Connector. Absolutely. I came up with the idea, and this really was more of a marketing idea than anything else, but now it's morphed into a true aspiration that I have. We were looking for a way to capture people's attention, to bring attention to the Village Connector program at a time when everyone's focused on the chaos and drama that's taking place in you know, Facebook and especially related to the election season. You know, it's hard to get people's attention off of, you know, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and Gary, uh, um, uh, what's his last, Johnson to a, later, to a lesser extent. But the, here's the point. I knew that we had to do something to distract them, but I didn't have a clear vehicle to do it. So I decided we're going to get into the race in some way. <laughs> <laughs> and so I posted on Facebook that I was going to be running for office and I was going to be announcing that later. But anyone that wanted to be part of my campaign – should uh, comment, so I'll reach out to them. And we we had over a hundred people in my friend list. I mean, my my friends that all were being supportive, and of course they were in quiz like, "What are you running for? I'm behind you." All that stuff. Well, what we did actually was we created what I call the campaign for humanity. And we actually have a full website, just like a traditional political campaign, campaignforhumanity.com, and. I announced eventually that I was running for the office of community servant <laughs> for all of humanity. <laughs> so half of my friends dropped out right there <laughs> because they really wanted me to run for No, they didn't drop out, but they were like, really? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> you know they thought what? it was creative. I you know? love the creativity and I love the absurdity of the hugeness, a bigness of that. And I think that uh, it's it's refreshing. You know, you're right about this being a marketing effort but it is you look at this and you say you shake your head and you laugh and we need a little bit of that lightness right now 
But you know what? It grew beyond that, Mali. It was it was it started off as just a way to get people's attention in a tongue-in-cheek way. Uh-huh. But now what's happened is we've actually hosted a campaign kickoff where I gave a speech. Yeah. We did our first town hall meeting virtually on Facebook last night where we did a, a, a soft reveal of the learning center. And one of the tenets of my campaign for community servant was that I wanted to be the first politician in history to satisfy all my campaign promises before the election takes place. <laughs> and I announced last night that our campaign promises will be fulfilled before, uh, not only before, before the election takes place, but a full 30 days ahead of schedule. Now, when have you ever seen a politician do if they did what they said they were going to do, how many of them did it early? You That's know? great. That's so, great. Yeah. But the, but the campaign, though, as I said, it started off as a tongue-in-cheek way to get attention, to bring people's focus to this personal development mission that we have. But now what we've seen is I started inviting other people to become part of the campaign, not as supporters, but as community servants themselves. So we actually created a directory that – Anybody that designates themselves as a community servant in their community can get a full one-page profile free of charge on our website to promote whatever project they're doing in their community. We've got people that are running sports camps. They're mentoring. They're tutoring. They're volunteering at the soup kitchen. Whatever it is that they're doing, we want to highlight profile and showcase it. We're interviewing them on the TV show. We have a TV show called The Community Treasures where we're highlighting people that are doing good in their community. And all of this is free of charge. So the goal is to get kind of the largest network of do-gooders all being highlighted, spotlighted, and showcased to the rest of the Village Connector community to hopefully inspire more people to become the servant in their community. I have this question for you. Sure. Do-gooders. It just came to me. When you think of uh, the people as a whole – especially here in the D.C. area. How do people feel about do-gooders? How, and how, how do they feel and are they inspired by them? Do they want to become do-gooders? Or is there this, um, this sense of, gosh, these folks are overly optimistic? Like what are you finding out there in the community? <laughs> well, here's, here's what I have learned, and this is why what we're doing with Village Connector is so important. I don't think that as a general rule, people look down on do-gooders. I think that they say to themselves, and this is the self-speak that we have to reverse. I think that they say to themselves, the little bit that I could do wouldn't make a difference. Therefore, I won't try. And that is self-defeating language. But see, here's the problem with that, Malik. I'm sitting in my house on my couch watching chaos and drama on television and saying to myself, there's nothing I can do about that. The little bit I can do wouldn't make a difference. And then I've got 50,000 other neighbors in my city that are all having that same dialogue with themselves, not realizing that I'm also entertaining that thought in my head. Right. Now, here's the real magic in this. The little bit that you can do by itself might not make a tremendous difference. But when we start combining all those little bits, that becomes a big bit. And so that's the message at Village Connector is that many hands make light work. If everyone does a little, no one has to do a lot. But we need to know that other people are doing those little bits so that we can combine the bits into a big bit. And that's what really starts to, to create an energy shift where people don't feel hopeless and helpless. They want to be 
hopeful and helpful. Right. And they know that they can play a role because they're, they're not at, at it by themselves. So our directory at Campaign for Humanity is designed to let people know, hey, look, plug in with one of these other people in your community that's doing something. Start pooling your resources instead of wondering whether the little bit that you could do would make a difference. And that's exactly where we're going with it. We want to make people aware of the goodness that's taking place in their communities. And when other people start seeing that, they'll be less likely to say, all these do-gooders, they're just, they just don't realize the uphill battle they have. <laughs> the uphill battle will be sitting on the sideline, not being part of the action. Well, I only ask that question because I know possibly other listeners are, are asking this, wanting to ask this question as well, because for me personally, I have uh, been kind of accused of being this overly optimistic dreamer. You know, you think way too big, you, you, you want too much and, you know, we just don't want you to be disappointed. <laughs> so you know what? That mindset though, that's what was holding me back from leaving the law firm in the minds of the people who were trying to counsel me uh -huh. and save me from myself. They're like, what are you going to do? You're being so successful. You don't know what, I mean, you're, you've, this is the first time you've ever done this. It's like, there's always a first time that you've, you know, the first time I rode a bicycle, I fell off. The second time I rode down the street, what are you trying to say? Right. The bottom line is that we've got to shift that mentality of, you know, oh, you're too, you're too big a thinker. Societal conditioning keeps us in our so-called comfort zones because we are able to be controlled when we don't think too big, you know? We, we always hear in the news about the 99% and the 1%. Well, you know what? The reason the 1% get chastised is because they got outside of the box and started thinking bigger than what society was telling them to think. And they started achieving more. And the only way to try to control that was to then chastise them and denigrate them in the eyes of the media. You see, everybody is capable of more than what they're currently doing. It's just that they're not being encouraged and nurtured to pursue it. Right. Well, that's then, just a function of personal development. Yes. And that was going to be my next question is bringing it down to that individual level, Glenn, what are, you know, maybe five tips of really helping you to take your mindset to the next level? What do you, we need to be doing individually um, to really help us elevate and expand our own thinking and our own desires and our own dreams? All right, so I believe like the first thing that people need to do if they're really serious about taking better control over their own destiny is to be mindful of their mindset. Most people don't even realize that they've got a scarcity mindset that's holding them back. They've been so conditioned by society that they don't even realize the effect of some of the self-speak that they engage in during the course of the day. And the only way to be mindful of your mindset is to introduce yourself to new ideas and new thoughts that conflict with what your current belief system might be. You know, if, you, if you're the kind of person that says, oh, you know, why do bad things always happen to me? There's nothing I can do about it. I'm powerless. If you've got a victim mentality, that's a mindset. You've got to say to yourself, who out here is creating, is really shaking it loose, and what are they doing that, that I can't do? Because if you start looking around at what other people that have been successful in breaking that societal conditioning, what they did to do it, it's really not that big a deal. They just changed their mind, literally. They changed their mind and changed their results. So being mindful of your current mindset is the stepping stone to changing it to where you need to be. 
It's great. It's a big one. It is a big one, but that, but if you can make that first step, the other four steps are pretty, pretty simple. Okay. So step number one, I'm mindful. I'm, I'm conscious and aware of my own self-talk. What's next? So the second thing that I found productive is making a commitment to a lifetime of learning, making a commitment to a lifetime of learning. Think about this. We spend hours and hours and hours watching television, listening to the radio, following news feeds on Facebook. But if you were to ask someone, what was the last book you read? Hey, have you read any good articles lately? They couldn't tell you one. So the reason for that is that we don't value personal development at the same level as we value chaos and drama. That's also a mindset decision. We also think that if we've read a book once, that that's enough. You know, personal development is like taking a shower. It's not something you can do one time and expect it to be effective. You've got to do it consistently. <laughs> and so I like to encourage people to look at learning as a lifestyle choice versus something you do until you get your degree. So the easiest way I know to do that is to be part of some type of consistent, formal learning process. That's what we've created at Village Connector. We encourage people at Village Connector to read one article a day, watch one four to five minute video a day, and to do one reflection or one exercise a day that helps them to implement what they just learned in the article. If you were to read one 500 word article a day, it takes about five, 10 minutes max. Mm -hmm. At the end of a year, that's like reading a 365 page book. If you were to watch one five-minute video a day for 365 days, that's like attending two or three weekend workshops or possibly even a college course in some instances. If you were to actually implement those teachings by doing the exercises once a day, you would be like, that would be like learning a new trade, a new, a new skill, a new uh, capability that you would have normally gone to college to learn. And you can do all of that right now starting today for free. So the second thing that I encourage people to do is to commit to a lifetime of learning. The better you get at who you are, the more capable you become of learning even more. And the more valuable you become to yourself, the more valuable you become to others. And that's where your self-worth becomes a, an asset to you and to others. And people will pay you for that. Hmm, that's right. Okay, so that's step two. Now let's move on to step three. Step three for me was a big one because – when I was struggling with the entrepreneurial shift, with the transition, I found myself being sometimes in desperation mode to the point where I could only focus on my immediate needs. And that actually started to sink me even deeper into my own mire. And so I started, someone encouraged me, I can't remember who it was, but someone encouraged me to go out and find a way to help others. And that started to take the focus off my own woes and I started feeling more hopeful and helpful by seeing the progress I could help others to make. And then, of course, that started to shift my own energy to the point where I started making a comeback from some of the struggles I was experiencing. So finding a way to be of service to others unconditionally, now that might mean volunteering your time in your local community, maybe tutoring or mentoring a kid, even just going and walking you know, an elderly person's dog. Anything you can do to be of service to others is a value in your evolutionary process. It helps you to develop communication skills. It helps you develop relationships. It helps you to be sympathetic and empathetic to the circumstances of others. 
And those are all growth opportunities for you. So I encourage people as part of this process to find something they can do to help others. That's great. That's a really, really good one. Now let's move into four. So the fourth thing is basically another one of the reasons Village Connector was created, Village Connector Community, which is to surround yourself with people who have a positive mindset. Believe it or not, it's actually hard when you look amongst most of most people, they look amongst their friends, especially if they are themselves not in a positive frame of mind. It's very hard to find people around you that are because you have a tendency to attract who you are because it's comfortable and familiar to you. So when you make a break with what's comfortable and familiar and start looking for the unknown out here, which is this shift in mindset, it sometimes means you need to make some new friends. I'm not telling you you have to be disrespectful to the old ones. What I'm telling you is you just need to spend less time with them. But it sometimes can be difficult to quickly find where those people are. And that's what the Village Connector community group on Facebook is all about, is that we have already assembled those people, given them a place to congregate, and we're nurturing and, and, and uh, uh, keeping them in a, in a, in a space. Uh, I, I don't want to call it a protected space because we're not looking to protect anyone from anyone. We're just looking to give you an opportunity to find the right people to associate with and to be doing the right things with them. So surrounding yourself with people who have a positive mindset is the kind of thing that keeps you inspired to stay the course, stay on track, to keep moving down the path. Because these things are not immediate. You're not going to read a book today and immediately become successful. It's the continuous digestion, putting yourself on a steady diet of positive educational material. I, I liken it to a diet because let's, let's look at it from this perspective. If you are overweight, you did not become overweight because you went to McDonald's last night. That was something that happened over a period of time, mostly from making poor uh, nutrition choices. And just like you didn't, you didn't gain weight overnight, you don't lose weight overnight, at least not done in a healthy way. So it's a process that you have to be loyal and committed to consistently. You see, success is about doing a few simple things consistently. And the emphasis is on consistency. So surrounding yourself with positive people who have a positive mindset helps you to remain diligent about the consistency that's necessary to get the results. Okay. So then what's the fifth and final tip, at least for today? What, what do you have in mind for us? And really the fifth one kind of builds from the fourth one because we were talking about consistency. So I use the three P's to remind us where we should be focusing and where we shouldn't be. So first is to be persistent. Like I said, these things are not going to – this change in mindset isn't going to lead to immediate results for most people. Some people are so mired in, in tragedy and trauma that when they do change their mindset, it is a dramatic difference just by getting around the right people. But most people are going to see steady, slow, definable, but consistent prog process, progress. So persistent, be persistent. That also leads to also having the need to be patient. Again, it's not going to happen overnight. You got to be patient and you've got to be persistent. And you have to make sure that you don't allow yourself to procrastinate. <laughs> the longer you take to start the journey, the more difficult it will be to get yourself on track. So persistence, patience, no, pro no procrastination. 
If you can master those three P's, then you can be well on your way to creating a lifestyle that you'll love rather than suffering through the one you have. Well, Glenn, I really appreciate these tips and I do admire your journey. We've known each other for a very long time and uh, seen each other through a lot of pivoting in our careers and our businesses. And I'm just so delighted that you found uh, this Village Connector community that you created and you're really actively a part of um, and appreciate you for all the work that you're doing for other business owners locally and also modeling this uh, across the globe because I do think it's important. Um, And with that in mind, I want to thank you so much for being uh, on the podcast today to share your knowledge and your thoughts and your insights. Um, As a reminder, uh, can you please let our listeners know where to reach you? Absolutely. I think the most meaningful way for you to get connected to me is through the Village Connector Community Facebook group. I'm in there, obviously, every day, kind of all day, monitoring what's going on, having dialogue with people. That's probably the best place to connect personally with me. So Village Connector Community, we have, we have a Facebook fan page and we have a group. Like the fan page, join the group, become part of the neighborhood. The second place to go is villageconnector.com, www.villageconnector.com. Get on the mailing list so that you get introduced to all the different resources we have available. And then just explore the site. Click on the education center and look through some of the topics that we cover. Now, right now, depending on when you're listening to this, the Education Center may not be live on the website because if this is going to be published before October 8th, the Learning Center will go live effective October 8th. So that's another good reason to at least get on the mailing list so that you'll be notified when the Learning Center is actually available for public consumption. So those would be the two places that I would tell you to get connected, the Village Connector Community Facebook group and villageconnector.com. Get on the mailing list. Join the community. Thank you so much, Glenn. Any final thoughts before we close out today's episode? Yeah, just one real quick. Um, I want to thank you, Molly, for your leadership and for the wonderful things that you're doing. And you truly are my sister from another mister, as they've described (laughs) it in the past. Because, you know, you're, you're in my journey, both, in my opinion, based on where you were when you met me and where I was shortly before you met me, was being stifled by societal conditioning. We were both in jobs. Uh, you know, fortunately for me, I had, I, I owned the job because I was practicing law, but you, you were working in corporate America and being successful with it, but obviously not being as inspired by it as you are today with what you're doing with the SOAR community. And so I, I really look at you as a kindred spirit. You're one of those positive people for me that I want to be around at every opportunity I get because just watching what you're doing, what you and Victor are doing, and, and what the other people in your in your immediate inner circle are doing, it's an inspiration to what we do here. And so, you know, you know as well as I do that we're exploring ways that we can cross-fertilize and support each other's uh, missions. I want to encourage more people to find that Mali Pompadit in their life oh. because this is truly a um, – a watershed moment for you when you meet someone like Mali that's doing all these great things and can be a resource to you at levels that you could just, you can't even pay to get this kind of resource available to you. You have to earn it through your deeds on behalf of others rather than thinking that you can compensate someone monetarily for it. So I just want to thank you for who you are and what you're doing. 
continue to be an inspiration. I love that you're in my inner circle, and I just look forward to so much of what we're going to be creating in the future together. Wow. Thank you, Glenn. I I couldn't have paid you enough for that. (laughs) And you would never be able to, and that's why it didn't need to be paid for in cash. You've already paid for it with your friendship. Thank you so much. We do look forward to doing a lot of uh, um, projects with you and collaborating on different initiatives and really supporting our communities um, here locally and around the world because we do, we are very expansive and you've given me permission to be more of who I am and who I'm meant to be. Um, And there are a lot of folks out there like us who really have so much um, to to not only offer, but so much that we want to do in the world. And we're looking forward to having our SOAR community network, your Village Connector community, um, many, many communities that are all over the globe. Let's find each other. You know, let's come together. Um, We have the opportunity to lead in terms of being thought leaders and helping the world see the possibilities um, of uniting each other and celebrating our differences and through our common ground, which is our core values. We all want peace and harmony and love and significance in the world. So again, thank you so much for your friendship as well. I really appreciate you. And thank you to our listeners, to our community members. We appreciate your loyalty. We appreciate your trust. And we always appreciate you for tuning in to our podcast and all the different initiatives that we're working on. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you very soon. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of SOAR Podcast. Join us by visiting soarcommunitynetwork.com.